If you really want to know God, and I trust that you do, if you really want to become like Jesus Christ, if you really want to fulfill your purpose on earth, let me take a time out right there before I even finish that sentence. We had a, a meeting with the parents of, of uh, our teenagers in the youth program last night. Some of you were there. And uh, it was Brother Zach's idea, for a fantastic idea. We've never done it before. But to kick off the year by just getting together with the parents who have teenagers, uh, either in the youth program or going into the youth program, to let them know uh, what, what our object, objective is. We can all be on the same page. We can all be pulling on the same rope. And I spoke, and some of you were there, but I spoke to the, the parents last night for just a couple of minutes, and I said, I want you to know our objective in working with your teenagers. And uh, it is this. We want to help the teenagers that come through our youth program to know God. When they, and that's it. We're not trying to make pastors. We're not trying to make missionaries. We're not, we really aren't. Uh, now, if God calls somebody, we're not going to hold them back, but, but that's not our objective. Our objective is to cause our teenagers to know God. And uh, good to see you all tonight. Come on and make yourself comfortable. Our objective is for our teenagers to know God. And let me just go a step further and say that's the objective for our church. We're, so what are we trying to do, Pastor? We're trying to help people know God. Uh, I've, I've been praying about this and thinking about this, that uh, we, I've, I have, I've had door knockers uh, or door hangers printed up for me to use when I go door to door. And I had an idea last week that the next batch that I print up, instead of, you know, on the bottom right now, it says uh, passion for God, compassion for people, and I like that. But uh, I'm thinking about somebody coming home from work and they see a, a, a knocker on the door, or <laughs> I say knocker, a hanger on the door. And it says, uh, you know, Northeast Baptist Church, and right away they're thinking, oh, brother, some fanatic. And uh, what are they about? And I was trying to think about what has it got to say on that door hanger to really get that person to think beyond a steeple. And uh, I thought about this, and I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to do this that on the very bottom, in big, in big letters, I'm going to put it's not about religion. It's about you and God. And uh, maybe that will intrigue somebody to look a little bit deeper. You understand, folks, that what we're doing here is about you and God. You and God. And if all, going back to our teenagers, if all our teenagers do is go through the motions and they finish high school, and they don't know God, we failed. We failed. We failed to, to get them to have the heart to know God, and then once they have that heart, that desire, to lead them to know God for themselves. That's our objective. That's our great objective. So, now that I put that parenthetical in, let me go back and start this sentence over. If you really want to know God, if you really want to become like Jesus Christ, if you really want to fulfill your purpose on earth, nothing will be more helpful for you. 
than to study and study and study the life of Jesus Christ. Study what he did. Study why he did it. And study how he did it. Study what he said. Study why he said it. Study how he said it. I'm talking about taking your Bible and reading it slowly and carefully and taking what you read to the place of prayer and considering it, meditating upon it before the Lord and examining the life of Jesus Christ as our model. Not just of his actions, not just the the model of what is right and wrong, although I'm not minimizing that. What were his passions? What was his heart? What was his thinking? What drove him? With that purpose in mind, let's read Matthew chapter 3 and verses 13 through 15. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13, 14. And 15. Will you read it out loud with me, will you? Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And what you see here is the first recorded words spoken by the adult Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Suffer it to be so now, for thus, by, by me being baptized, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. I want you to ponder that with me tonight. Jesus said his first recorded public, public act as an adult. What was he after? What was he pursuing? What was his heartbeat? In his own words, his heartbeat was to fulfill all Righteousness. I picture Jesus. <coughs> he came to the understanding that it would please the Father. Listen, I believe with all my heart, based upon what the Gospels say and what the epistles say about Jesus, I believe Jesus had to come to know the will of God just like you and I have to come to know the will of God. Which gives me great hope because that means I can know the will of God because Jesus knew the perfect will of God. But you know, I remember being a kid and hearing them tell the stories of Jesus in the manger. And uh, he's, he's in the manger, he's looking up, and he's having all these brilliant thoughts, you know, about, hey, I'm God. And, uh, you know, I, and I really don't believe that. I believe he came and grew, and, uh, and uh, ab- by the way, absolutely, he was, he was 100% God. I'm not, I'm not uh, saying, hinting that he's not. I'm saying that God made it so that his son would grow w- with the same resources that we have available to us. 
And Jesus had to seek the will of his father just like we have to seek the will of the father. And I see Jesus praying and seeking the Lord to come to an understanding of his purpose. And he comes to the understanding that it would please the father for him to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus shows up at the Jordan to be baptized because he had come to the conclusion that it would please the father for him to fulfill all righteousness. And this was the next step in doing that. Fulfill all righteousness. Now think about the strength of that statement. Righteousness is doing right the way God says to do it. It is God's definition of right. Jesus wanted to do righteousness. That was his heartbeat. Is it our heartbeat to do righteousness? But wait a minute. He didn't want to just do righteousness. He wanted to do all righteousness. He wanted to do it all, start to finish. He wanted thorough righteousness, not partial righteousness. And if you want to know Christ and be like Christ, that ought to motivate you and inspire you to say, I want to do all righteousness. I know I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm going to fall short. I know I'm going to fail. But I want to strive for all righteousness. Is there not a passion in our hearts to do all of what God has for us to do as people? Are we content for God to look down upon this earth and see that nobody living cares about righteousness? That nobody living cares about all righteousness? Are we content for God to look at us and see people whose heart really is, that's good enough. I mean, that's, what's, what's the big deal about that? I, you know, I did more than he's doing. Or does God look at us? Can God find anywhere a heart that has a passion not only to do righteousness, to say, God, how do you want it done? How do you want my life lived? What do you want my priorities to be? And how, how do I accomplish that? Not only to do righteousness, but to do all righteousness. Every I dotted. Every T crossed. But he doesn't stop there. He says to fulfill all righteousness. See that? So that's not just a decision. That's not just intentions. That's follow through. Follow through. I remember when I was a kid, <coughs> when I was a teenager. Oh, I forgot about my cough drops. Thank you, Brother Steve. When I was a teenager, I had seven different uh, jobs in the neighborhood. Cutting grass in the summertime and raking leaves in the fall. And my absolute job on the planet that I hate more than anything else 
is raking leaves. I hate it. And uh, always, always have. And uh, so I remember it, it would happen every year. I'd go and I would, you know, rake people's leaves and I would always get behind on it. And I didn't have a blower. I didn't have a, not a backpack blower or a push blower. Uh, sometimes I'd cheat with the lawnmower, but you can only, that only goes so far, you know. And so when I would get behind, my father would come and help me. Now, yeah, that sounds good, except, okay, when there was like leaves caked under a set of bushes, I was okay with leaving them there. Not my father. So because his standard of, hey, let's, let's get every last leaf. You're getting paid to get every last leaf. Let's get them all. So at the end of the day, it really didn't wind up helping me that much because his standard was so much higher, we had to do more work anyway. But, but when it came to raking leaves, and by the way, anything else, he's, you know, 79 years old in a couple of weeks and uh, he still lives to just do it right, do it thoroughly, do it all, do it steadily, do it, you know, dependably. And he wasn't any different when I was a kid. Fulfill. Fulfill. Let me just throw, go a little deeper with that. I had worked two summers, two summers, uh, after my, my summer after I graduated high school, and then I went to my freshman year of college, and then that next summer I came home, and I worked another summer at Brewster Transit Mix. My father drove a truck for <coughs> all those years. And uh, it was really, I, it was awesome to, uh, I didn't ride to work with him every day because I think I started at 7, and he would start at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And, of course, I got done at, what was that, 7 to 5? I got done at 3, and he'd be done at 6 or 7 at night. And so we didn't ride together. But the coolest thing for me, by the time I got to work, he had already loaded up his truck and he was, you know, delivering down in Westchester somewhere. But about 9 or 10 o'clock, he'd be back from delivering his first load of concrete. And so it was just cool to watch him pull in. And I'm telling you the truth. The other drivers, you know, there's 25, 30 drivers. They come in and they stroll around and they're, my father, I'm not kidding you, he ran across the parking lot. He never, I, he never sat in the break room. He, he'd pull in. He'd pull right up to the, uh, to the, uh, the, the uh, hopper where they would uh, load the concrete. If he had to get run an errand or something, he would be running across a lot. I can still see him. I don't mean full speed. But I'm talking about jogging. He'd be, he'd be jogging, trotting across a lot. And uh, it's just, just amazing. Why, why am I saying that? Well, number one, because he's not here, and it's easier to brag on him when he's not here to embarrass him. But... Because my father has set an example of somebody who fulfilled. I mean, he just, it's, close enough is not good. How many times have I done a job with him on a car or something, and I'm like, Dad, that's good. I don't say it, but I think, Dad, that's good enough. Come on. He's got to get it exactly right. we got to stay until it's exactly right. Okay, I ran that in the ground because Jesus ran all righteousness into the ground. Jesus said, no, we're going to do it exactly right. Does God look down at us and say, there's somebody who is not content unless his life is fulfilling all righteousness. Now, I know your objection. Your objection is the same as mine, but I can't. None of us can. No, but we can spend our life striving for it. 
Not, not cracking up and going nuts because you keep failing. I don't, God, God don't want us living that way. But striving for it. Man, I want on the last day of my life, I still want to be striving to fulfill all righteousness. So the first picture we get of the adult Jesus Christ is a man with a passion to fulfill all righteousness. And so he's seeking the Lord. He's seeking his father's heart, his father's will. What would you have me to do? And he comes away with this message. Fulfill all righteousness. That's your life. That's your life. Oh, is it my life to fulfill all righteousness? I'm sad to confess to you that it is not. It is not. I'm too content to do things that don't fulfill righteousness. I'm too content to stop short of excellence in fulfilling all righteousness. But I want to get back up and strive again. I want to get back up. By the way, don't forget, Satan wants you to feel defeated so you stay down and don't get back up. Don't let the high standard of fulfilling all righteousness discourage you so that you give up. But don't quit thinking, yeah, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm, you know, I've done enough. You know, we've got Christians all across America, so-called Christians all across America who think that they've done enough and what they're doing is good enough. So, Fulfilled, no shortcuts, no good enough. I want you to notice, and I'm going to move quickly now, and then we're going to go to the Lord's Supper. I want you to notice that Jesus desired to fulfill all righteousness. That was his passion. That was his desire. And he's your example. He's your model. So I ask you tonight, do you have a desire to fulfill all righteousness? I'm not concerned half as much if, if, if I don't, succeed at fulfilling all righteousness as I am if I don't have that desire. Because, man, when apathy gets in here, I'm shot. I'm done. I have got to care. And so do you. If we hope to know God, to become like Jesus Christ and fulfill our purpose on earth. So Jesus desired to fulfill all righteousness or he wouldn't even be, he wouldn't have been there. <laughs> He would have showed up. First of all, he never would have made the trip to Jordan. He never would have left his hometown to begin with. Jordan? You know how far that is from here? And when I get there, I'm probably not going to be able to find him. I mean, you know what? I I can do righteousness right here in Galilee where I live. Nope. That wasn't good enough for him. So Jesus desired to fulfill all righteousness. Not only that, once he desired it, he learned what was needed. How did Jesus come to the conclusion that he had to be baptized? By seeking the Lord, seeking his Father's will. He came to the conclusion, you know what? I've got to fulfill all righteousness, and in order to do that, I've got to find John, and I've got to be baptized. Pastor, you know, studying the scripture, I don't know how he put those pieces together. God, the Father, put those pieces together for him. When you have a passion to please God, a genuine passion to please God, he'll put the pieces together for you. He'll help you get it right. So not only did he desire to fulfill all righteousness, but he stayed 
before the Father until he learned what was needed to fulfill all righteousness. And he came to the conclusion that in order to do that, he needed to leave Galilee. He needed to go to Jordan. He needed to find where John was baptized. Take a look at the map at Jordan. That's, that's quite a distance. Now, I'm sure that word was out there that he was in a particular uh, region or different particular part, but he still had to go there and look. He didn't have a GPS. He didn't text John and say, where are you today, bro? He had to go there and search. So he learned what was needed, and then he took action to fulfill all righteousness. And here I am in my place of prayer trying to find the heart of Jesus Christ so that I can try to emulate it. And I'm seeing my Savior, a 30-year-old man approximately, seeking the Father. What would you have me to do? And he didn't start when he was 30. He'd been seeking his father, we know, at least since he was 12. What would you have me to do? Fulfill all righteousness. What would you have me to do? Fulfill all righteousness. I have to wonder if Jesus ever stood from a distance and watched. I think he might have shown up to some of those baptisms because John 1 says, John said, there standeth one among you whom you know not. And I don't think necessarily that he just spoke those words the day that Jesus showed up to be baptized. I, but whatever the case, Jesus is educating him. Hey, he went to the temple when he was 12 to be educated. Sometimes people say, yeah, he was down there teaching. The, it doesn't say he was teaching. It says he was asking questions. Can you tell me, religious leaders, what does it mean? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What does it mean? And I see those rabbis going, he was asking questions that they couldn't answer. Why? Because he was seeking the Father. Now he's 30. He's been seeking the Father all these years. And he's been, he's come to the conclusion, 18 years, by the way. 18 years. 18 silent years, you know he was seeking his father all that time. And he's been impressed. You, you're here to fulfill all righteousness. That's why you're here. You're the son of God. You're here to fulfill all righteousness. And that begins at Jordan with John. So he takes action. He travels to where John is. He looks for John till he finds him. He stands among the crowds. And then he even, mildly and kindly, but he even had to correct John. John said, you, you, you want me to baptize you? John knows he's the son of God. I have need to be baptized of thee and comest out of me. And Jesus has to, to meekly correct him. Suffer it now to be so. Let, let us just, just hang on, John. Let's do this. Let's do this because this is the way that we fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus takes action. I, here, I'm simply saying this, and we're, we're just about done before we go to the Lord's Supper. The first striving passion in the heart of Jesus that we learn about in Matthew is his desire to fulfill all righteousness. 
I don't think it's a mistake to say that everything else that we see in the life of Jesus was a desire to fulfill all righteousness. It's the desire to do, the, do things the way the Father wants them done. And then it's the determination to do what's necessary to do things the way the Father wants them done. And it's the diligence to fulfill what the Father wants done. As you know, he gets baptized. Then I want you to notice this. When Jesus in this act did fulfill all righteousness, <coughs> notice what happens, verse 16. <clears throat> and Jesus, when he was baptized, I unwrapped the ricola and never put it in my mouth. When he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So when Jesus fulfilled all righteousness, he was given the Holy Spirit. Now, this really is not a message about baptism, but I tell you, it does present to us a wonderful model of why a person needs to get baptized after they get saved. How many, how many times have we talked to somebody who was like, well, I mean, I don't need to get baptized to go to heaven, right? That's not the heart of somebody who wants to fulfill all righteousness. Here's the heart of somebody who wants to fulfill all righteousness. Praise the Lord, he saved me. Now what do I need to do? What does he want of me now? He was given the Holy Spirit, and then, verse number 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Not only was he given the Holy Spirit, but he was given the open endorsement of God the Father. When we have the desire to fulfill all righteousness, just as our Savior did, and then a determination to find out what's it going to take to do that. What's it? Oh, oh, for a generation of Christians in our country who once again have the genuine desire, what would it take to please God? I might watch Joel Osteen if he ever started preaching. What would it take to please God? I know I'm not the impersonator that other people are, but That's not his message. That's not the pop culture Christianity message. That's not the rocking out for Jesus message. Oh, that the message of Christianity in 2017 in America was, what will it take to please God? The message is, how do we get God to do more stuff for us? How do we fulfill all righteousness? And God honored him by giving him the Holy Spirit. And he honored him by speaking from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Tonight we're going to spend a few minutes with the Lord.